0: You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.
1: You're listening to an Irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from my fabulous friends. It's Adrian. If you're listening to this silky, silky, smooth voice, you know what it is. You got yourself another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Welcome back one and all. So glad to have you back here. At the time of dropping this episode, it would be, I want to say the second to last week of December, year of our Lord, 2022. We just about made it. I mean, certainly it is possible that the world could just implode between the episode dropping and the ball dropping, right? Um, But I'm going to, you know, speak life here in this place. And I'm going to name it and claim it that it's an absolutely great wrap up of the year. It's weird to think where the year went. I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but man, the year just kind of flew by. I'm grateful for that. I, I actually, I follow this TikTok called like, christmas dreams or something it's literally just a, a tiktok channel that just makes videos about christmas decor and christmas music and christmas experiences and i found this channel in june and i was like oh i just want christmas so bad we need a little christmas right this very minute you know what i'm saying and it like came up on my for you page again and i'm like man i it seemed like just a minute ago that it was it was here and now it's gone absolutely gone. So right now I am neck deep in holiday experiences uh, at work. We just did a white elephant, a generic white elephant. Uh, if you don't know what white elephant is, is where you get a gift. And then you have a choice to pick a new gift from the pile or you can steal someone else's gift. Uh, Allow that office episode. And I, I was I was actually robbed. I probably had my gift stolen like 12 times. It was starting to get a little frustrating. But I see the here and there. It was really great. We did, you know, we're doing the white elephant thing. We're doing the secret Santa thing. We're piling the kids into the car and driving around looking at Christmas lights here in South Florida. So we're like blasting the air conditioning because it's incredibly hot outside, um, despite the date on the calendar, which speaking of hot outside, I mentioned last episode that we were considering moving. And when I tell you the overwhelming responses of people who are like, you should, you know, or you should move is Texas. Or they're like, you should move to Colorado or like, Hey, I hear Kansas would be right up your alley. Or It's like, have you considered North Carolina? They're like, Oh, you know what? Definitely North Florida. They're like, hear me out. Wyoming. They're like, hey. so basically anywhere from California to the United Kingdom is pretty much fair game now. So thank you all for helping me really narrow down my search. Uh, I am not at all rife with anxiety, crippling fear, no, I, I'm not that afraid. It is kind of nice, though. Uh, I've spent like the last kind of few weeks really just like looking around, kind of watching. I, I decided to watch a lot of videos of like 10 best things to do in Charlotte, North Carolina or something. And like if the best things to do sound not at all fun to me, then I'm like, then maybe I should rule out <laughs> this city. Obviously, a TikTok is not the definitive experience of any given locale but you know it kind of gives you a nod of what like if every single thing is just food i would like love it because i'm a big foodie but if like there's if they're like every video just keeps mentioning like the same one taco spot then like okay well maybe that wouldn't necessarily be a foodie stream come true so all that to say i am like doing my recon i'm doing my research i the people have spoken the bad apples have spoken and i heard you i hear you In addition to that, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned how much of an eggnog snob I am. Are you wondering, if you're wondering like, hey, is Adrian as much of an eggnog snob and purist as he is with virtually everything else in his life? Absolutely, I am. Really, the only eggnog to exist is Southern Comfort Vanilla Spice Eggnog. This is not a paid sponsorship, by the way, although it should be. Between Southern Comfort Eggnog and Tushy Bidet, I should be getting them bucks, those advertising bucks. But literally, I have been on an eggnog kick. I've been on a white fudge covered Oreo kick. I got a, a number of boxes and I have frozen them. They're absolutely outstanding. If you haven't tried it, this is your sign to try it. And then we've been watching holiday movies. So I'm like really leaning in people. I'm like really leaning in. I, was, I watched this one TikTok that I thought was pretty fascinating. And gosh, I can't remember. It's blanking out. If I can find it, I'll put the creator's name in the show notes because I, I want to give credit where credit's due. But what they said was like, as you get older, you develop this sort of like, where are you Christmas feeling? You know, the song, like, where are you Christmas? Like what happened? And he's like, it's hard to, to nail down what that nostalgia and that melancholy and that sadness, like wh- where did that come from? What does it mean? And he says something that I thought was really interesting. He said, when you're a kid and you go to school and just from one week to the next, the entire school is decked out in like paper snowflakes and lights. Like it feels like for an entire month, Christmas is just happening. It's just blossoming around you. Like suddenly all the music is different and all the movies are different and the commercials are different and the decoration in your house is different and the way the house smells is different. Like Christmas just suddenly blossoms and he said, that's just kind of part of, of childhood. He said, and then what what you didn't see is the principal of the school who got a budget for all of these holiday decorations back in June and didn't see like your parents lugging all of the decorations out of the attic or out of the garage and dusting it off and setting it up and vacuuming up and wiping everything down. And so he said, like, as when you become an adult, like you realize like you actually have to work really hard to kind of make the holiday magic happen. Um, and you can still certainly lean into that and still certainly capture it. But it's the difference between like what did they say? They said it's the difference between scratching your own back and someone scratching it for you. And when I thought of that, I think it's so well articulated, like what it is that I'm like really trying to <laughs> capture <laughs> this holiday season. And I think having kids kind of breathes a little bit of like new life into it because now even though like there was certainly a window where I was like, man, this sucks. This is sad. Like, this is not the same. Like it's, you know, the magic is gone. But then when you, for me, in my experience, having kids has helped me kind of reclaim some of that. Anyway, I'm not telling you all to go have kids, but I'm saying it's helped me out a little bit. Yeah. I don't know why I went on the, where are you Christmas tangent, but there's something for y'all to chew on. It's because Christmas used to just bloom around you and I had to work hard to make it. Speaking of which, Uh, I told y'all that I've been watching a lot of like Christmassy movies and our dirty rotten sponsor for this episode is actually a trailer for a new holiday film. Yeah. New Christmas movie. I think y'all are going to like this. Check this out. This is a hallmark movie. Let's check out. This is from our dirty rotten sponsor. He was a big shot motivational speaker. I'm gonna tell you that every person in this room can be the light of the world. To your friends, your family, your neighbors. (laughs) You know what, let's all chant together. Say it with me. Let's Let's get lit, let's get lit, let's get lit,
2: let's get lit. Yeah. JC, in three short years, you've developed quite a cult following, and now you're on a national speaking tour. How does it feel?
1: It feels incredible. I gotta say, you know, they always told me man can't live on brand alone, but uh, I'm finding quite the opposite to be true. But nature had other plans. Eh, sorry folks, but that snowstorm was more of a doozy than we thought. We're gonna have to make an emergency landing in Bethlehem, Wyoming until things clear up. Oh, you have got to be kidding me.
0: Well, what did Wyoming ever do to you? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, right? Weren't you born here or something? <sighs> yeah, that's where my
1: dad was from. I think everyone wanted me to pick up the family carpentry business where he left off. And now I'm stuck here for God knows how long, ugh. But sometimes the biggest setbacks. Hey, big city. Baggy, I haven't seen you in
2: ages. You look amazing. And you look expensive, and a little tired.
1: Lead to unexpected romance.
2: I remember back in our high school days, you always talked about the big things you wanted to do. (laughs) Gotta be honest, I didn't think I'd see you around here again.
1: You know, I I never thought I'd be back here again, especially in Dad's old woodshop.
2: Hey, why don't you stick around? The Christmas pageant is this weekend. The whole town will be there, and we need help building the nativity scene. You're great at woodworking. You could help. My husband used to help before he died in that accident.
1: What? Maggie, that's in three days. I, I feel like that part of me died.
2: Well, I guess we have three days to bring you back to life. Now, don't we?
1: Now, it's a race against time. You're not seriously catching feelings for this little podunk town, are you? It's so dirty, I keep having to shake the dust off of my feet. (laughs) No, you know I love my penthouses. There wasn't even any room for me at the inn. I still smell like that stable. And destiny.
2: Well, by God, residents all across Bethlehem, Wyoming came together and got the set built in time for the big Christmas pageant. Oh, look at those awnings.
1: (laughs) Maggie, we did it. I can't believe he pulled it off.
2: Yeah, great. Now you can just go back to the big city with your 12-person entourage and forget us little people, just like last time. I've got to go. i, I got to pick up my quintuplets from Brenda, who's been watching them during her shift at the bakery. Maggie, <laughs>
1: come on, it's not like that.
2: <laughs> Maggie, wait.
1: To finally nail down. I've got great news, JC. The jet is all fueled up and we can leave in an hour. You know what? You guys go ahead without me. I have a Christmas pageant to attend. I quit. Oh, come on. You can't quit. The true meaning of Christmas. You know, I thought I had put my building days behind me. Turns out I was just building walls around my heart.
2: Oh, JC, let's build some new things together. I see hammer, nails, and wood in your future.
1: You really think so?
2: I know so. The Christmas Carpenter By the way, where's Judas? I don't
1: know, something about an exciting new business deal?
2: (laughs) That Judas, always counting on the next big thing.
1: He sure is. I guess you could say I've got my eye on the next big thing as well. How so? Well, Maggie, I have a feeling our futures are aligned, because in your future, I also see wood. Now streaming everywhere. Wow. The Christmas Carpenter. Thank you so much. That's lovely. Absolutely stunning. Well, before I continue, I want to just do a quick uh, shout out to the last episode. It was a lot of fun. I had, if you didn't catch it, I had the privilege of interviewing John Huertas from, most notably, most recently from NBC show called This Is Us. And that was a great conversation. Um, It was just really neat to speak to him. He was an incredibly humble, down-to-earth guy. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Check it out if you didn't get a chance to. We talked about his upbringing within the Catholic Church and moving into creativity and show business and all of those things. And speaking of, I am quite excited about my next interview. So this is a conversation that I had the privilege of having with the one and only Lucy Dacus who is an incredible singer, songwriter, musician, and producer. Um, I had discovered her music because I was a fan of Julian Baker. And then I became a fan of Phoebe Bridgers, kind of right around the same time. And then like the super group Boy Genius came out and I was like, oh my God, this music is great. And then it's like, it was like Julian and Phoebe and Lucy. And so that was kind of like my stepstones to learn about Lucy. And when I tell you, she is absolutely phenomenal. Her music is phenomenal. And her most recent full length record that just came out is absolutely phenomenal. Some of her covers that came out this year were super, super good. And so when I had the opportunity to speak to her, I absolutely leapt at the chance. It was really great. We talked about her upbringing within kind of like a very cerebral expression of Christianity. Um, We talked about things like purity culture, VBS, expanding out of belief, and then even some of the things that she felt was helpful to her. Uh, So I'm not going to drag on I want you all to listen to it as I'm going to hang another lampshade like I always do. All these interviews are just my opportunity to speak to ask questions of, and listen to a person's lived experience, right? This is certainly not going to be a prescriptive conversation. This is not telling you how to live your life how to express your faith or lack thereof. This is just a description of a person's experience. And sometimes with those descriptions, you're going to hear you might have things like ways that folks have been hurt by these their systems of belief, or ways that they've embraced it, or ways they, they have moved beyond it, or completely rejected it entirely, there's an opportunity for an entire spectrum um, to be reflected in these stories, just as much as there's an entire spectrum of the human experience, right? So if you are here, if maybe if you're in a place in your, I guess, journey, where you're like, I really can't get too close to kind of religious language, or even hearing about religious stories, because it's, it just kind of messes with me, if it's a little too fresh, I totally get it. You can skip this part of the show. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You won't hurt Lucy's, I'm sure. Or you can skip this episode altogether. I I totally understand. But if you decide to stick it out, I think you're going to absolutely love it. Uh, We talk about so many, so many important and great things. So without any further ado, let's roll my conversation with Lucy Dacus.
0: You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.
1: My next guest is an acclaimed musician, songwriter, and producer. In 2021, she released her third full-length solo album, Home Video. In 2018, she created the collaborative supergroup Boy Genius with Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker. And this year in 2022, she released an EP with her versions of Home Again and It's Too Late, written by Carol King. Bad apples, let's give it up for Lucy Dacus. <laughs> Hi, thanks for being here.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: This is great. Are you currently in Virginia? I know like you're from Virginia. Where are you at in the world?
3: I I grew up outside of Richmond, Virginia, but I live in Philly now. But actually, I'm currently in Vancouver on tour. Oh, God. Yeah, on a day off.
1: Okay. well, thank you so much for like giving me your free time. That means a lot.
3: (laughs) Oh, no, it's cool. I'm excited to talk about this. I was actually like feeling kind of nervous because I was like, oh, gosh. This is like a whole part of my brain in life that I don't access as much anymore. So we'll see what comes up talking.
1: Hey, listen, well, for what it's worth, I'm a little nervous too. This is a really big deal for me, big fan of your music. So it means well, a lot because you joined the show. Yeah. Thank you. So Lucy, I'd love to start off the way we always start off with uh, guests here on the show. And I just got to ask you, if you were a church kid, and if so, what did that look like for you within that framework? Can you talk about that experience?
3: I was absolutely a church kid. I went to church like four times a week, went to many different churches.
1: Oh, you were a ringer.
3: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it was like that was where my whole life was like socially. um, I think I did end up going to so many churches just because I wanted to hang out like the community aspect was like the big draw and honestly still is like a thing that I miss. I don't go to church anymore, but I grew up at a Baptist church and um the church actually started to be non-denominational partway through going there which you know was quite hip of them
1: yeah I was going to say was it was it because like they were trying to get like like rock and roll on the stage or something what 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 drove that do you know there were
3: yeah there was like a a traditional service early in the morning and then a contemporary service like a couple hours later um And then, yeah, I think that, like, there were still baptisms, but I guess, like, there were a couple really cool thinkers, honestly, and I I bet there was just kind of, like, a movement to try not to be too beholden to one sect's doctrine, yeah. practices. Yeah, the, the pastor that I had growing up was a super smart, like, academic guy, and a lot of his sermons were about, like, linguistics, like, he would do a sermon about like agape and he'd be like, you know, this word had forty meetings and you know, there's all sorts of things that might have been misunderstood in translation. And so like he invited doubt in a way that I kind of liked. But then I'd go to like friends churches and they'd just be like straight up, gay is bad. (laughs) And they'd be (laughs) like (laughs) Sometimes people who have it bad are getting what they deserve. Oh wow. Lessons that are like so hurtful in retrospect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So four times a week. Was this like a, you know, church of Sunday morning, go to Sunday school, youth group, all that stuff?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm coughing. I feel like oh, if God. there is a God, he's like, don't go on this
1: podcast. <laughs> he's like, how dare you? You'll see.
3: I still, I still kind of like, am suspicious when like, there's a lot of combined coincidences. I'll be like,
1: hmm. Oh my God. <laughs>
3: Who's that? That's, <laughs> that? that's
1: real. That's real. That's real. Like, I like I used to lead worship once upon a time, and there was this feeling of like if you like, I don't know, like cursed or looked at porn or like did anything, and you're like I'm gonna break a string, I'm gonna yeah. jinx myself.
3: <laughs> yeah, like I'll be punished somehow. Bad juju. But yeah, it was like Sunday, and then Wednesday night was my church's youth group, but then there was a Thursday night youth group, and. I think there was a Tuesday night youth group and maybe a Friday one I'd go to sometimes. And then like I would take all the like volunteer opportunities that the church would offer, you know, like go paint a fence and uh go do childcare for someone and a lot of those were really good. Some of them were, were stupid, and some of them were kind of like upsetting, but um mm. again, like community and just like helping people constantly. Those are like, if I'm being generous, like things that I miss a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you think of community, like what was some of the good parts of it? And then what are some of the parts that maybe on this side you don't really miss?
3: I mean, the good parts are like, you were seeing people often enough that you didn't really have to catch up. They were just there and understood what you were going through and were up to date. And Same in the other direction, you know, just like people who keep each other in mind and offer to help each other and celebrate together, mourn together. I guess I still have that in a group of friends, but it being connected to a place and time and being like every week for sure we're going to show up in the same place and think about abstract concepts together like that is still cool to me. But then, yeah, there were a bunch of things that sucked. Like, I remember going to a vacation Bible school one time where this woman pretended to be God and was slipping me notes because I was going through something difficult. Like my my parents were separating. And so I know who it was. And she was like pretending to be God and encourage me.
1: (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. So, like, how how old are you when you were getting these messages from Mrs. God?
3: (laughs) I think I was 15 at the time. So that was, like, the tail end of me going to vacation Bible schools, which was a long tenure of me going to those in the first place.
1: Yeah, 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 like a black belt in VBS. Mm -hmm. What was it like? uh, How would you do it? I mean, would you just, like, do you just find notes around? Or would you straight up hand it to you and, like, this is from God?
3: There was like a wall of paper bags that everybody made on the first night with their name and they decorated and you could leave notes for each other. And honestly, who came up with this? Because it was just for flirting. Like everybody was (laughs) leaving each other's numbers in these bags. Like I don't I guess the point was like if you want to leave a compliment or like. Sure. Yeah, I think it was like a random acts of kindness. Like if you want to do like an uncredited kindness and
1: be nice to people like an anonymous word of encouragement to yeah. yeah yeah yeah
3: which is is sweet but like when is that not going to make teenagers freak out <laughs> and wonder who uh-huh. who is complimenting them um so yeah i was i got little notes in that that bag
1: oh man yeah that's got to be really confusing in a weird way because it's. I, I imagine it's partly like you kind of at the time maybe you want it to be true or you want to kind of believe that but like it feel like the fourth wall has been broken or something i keep getting these notes from god
3: yeah i think if i had been younger it would have like really hit but i think mm-hmm. you know knowing who it was and being that age it was just like even the intention of this is spotty you know like yeah yeah
1: got it and so okay so you have a, a black belt in vbs <laughs> you uh are about 15 and let's say what what changed between like going to church all the time you know like what started to to shift in your mind
3: well I kind of stopped going to one of my friends churches I don't know if you experienced this or were a teacher in this but when I became a teenager church was much less about learning how to treat each other well and instead it was like learning how to not have sex and I feel like that was the entire point of church yeah. for years. And I was like, this sucks. This isn't what I like. Yeah, oh. yeah. This other church, they would split up the boys and girls and like kind of scare them. We had this. Is this the point of this podcast for me to just like air stories? Yes. It's, <laughs> okay. this,
1: this, this, part, this is the part of the podcast. We can do whatever the fuck you want to okay. do.
3: Basically. <laughs> um, yeah. Like there was this pregnant woman that basically told the story like. Yeah, I didn't have sex until my wedding night. It was terrible. Like sex is really bad. You should be with somebody that loves and respects you enough to just have sex if you're trying to have a kid. I'm so lucky that I got pregnant. Just like it was completely teaching us to be fearful of that. Then was like if anybody has had impure thoughts or done impure things and want to reclaim their virginity, like step up and do that now. And so then people were going up and like professing their Oh boy. uh Misdeeds, you know, like uh, as they saw them to be misdeeds. And I, I think that's when I was like 17. And so I was like, this is messed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
3: and I, so I stopped going to that one. And then I kept going to my church until college. And then I was like, I should find a church I can walk to. And I tried a bunch, but they were all extremely weird. And so I just started having like Bible talks at my house and at friends' houses. And then those friendships kind of waned and then I just started to read on my own and then started to read all types of religious texts. And, you know, I just realized at some point that, like, why was I keeping Christian as a qualifier of who I was if, you know, I was comfortable not being certain about the things that Christianity requires you to believe?
1: Wow, that's... Lovely and profound and probably a bit of a mindfuck when it was happening in real time. How how old were you when you were like doing your own independent study? Like how long ago was this?
3: I definitely like read the Bible a bunch when I was super young, like probably 10. I was like, I'm going to read the whole thing and would just like kind (laughs) of literally look at the words and like bust through as much as I could. I don't know how much I've retained. Not that much. Yeah. But then, like middle and high school, I would read like Rob Bell and like kind of, you know, the quote-unquote edgier guys.
1: (laughs) Right? Was it was it before or after uh, he was labeled a heretic and you weren't allowed to read him anymore?
3: After, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh,
1: cool. Okay. Okay. Nice.
3: I don't. I don't think that like people really knew. Like my church was definitely like no Harry Potter, but they weren't as like, you know, other Christians. being got it. ostracized but yeah then like i got into krishnamurti at some point and that was just kind of like general great wisdom and you know made more friends that weren't christian too like more jewish friends and more muslim friends and yeah just learned about other stuff
1: man that it, it's interesting when you were talking about like you went to a church and it didn't jive with probably had a lot to do with how maybe cerebral your earlier kind of like foundation of of Christianity was. And you're like, this is kind of bullshit and it's like behavior modification and I'm out. But it is interesting to me that like there was this feeling of like, well, I can't have nothing. There's like kind of this weird Christian vacuum that like, you're like, I got to find something. I can't do nothing in the beginning.
3: Yeah. I think that like, I did want an identity. Like I wanted to be able to point to like, and this is the framework through which I will make all my decisions, <laughs> but I think what's actually true is like the church did give me a framework that, after like taking away a lot of the unnecessary artifice, there's still a good framework there. I'm glad I learned about forgiveness at a young age, I'm glad that I learned about pretty much all the fruits of the spirit still seem good to me, and it was like taught about death at a really early age or like taught to think about like really difficult concepts at a young age. So even if like they were questions that got answered in a wrong way, like I think I'm glad that I was asked to have the questions in the first place. So
1: was it hard to parse out the stuff that you're like, I didn't really love this, but like, I do love this. Like a lot of the times at these least- In my experience, it can be kind of difficult to not just go, I I hated this whole thing, this whole thing sucks. Like, you know, what was that like? How how did that go for you?
3: I feel like I still kind of do that dance back and forth of like everything sucked, everything connected to it sucks. And like there was a lot of good and a lot of misguided people involved. And I can't blame people for how they were raised. Like, how generous I am really changes with my mood. And also, I guess, (laughs) like the application. So yeah, I feel like it's a it's still a give and take.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I listened to an interview of you on the Queerology podcast with oh, cool. uh, Matthias Roberts. Yeah, and, and Matthias is a is a friend of mine. Had him on the show and great human being, best laugh ever. He has a great laugh.
3: Oh yeah, um, sweet
1: laugh. <laughs> yeah, really good laugh. Um, could you kind of share some of that story with the listeners who might maybe haven't got a chance to listen to that episode? Which story is this? You were sharing that you identify as bisexual or pansexual, and that was something that initially kind of bumped into your evangelicalism. Would you feel comfortable sharing some of that?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And how glad I am that I am comfortable to share about it. Yeah. I was not comfortable with myself for a super long time. I'll like, I've, been, I've journaled my whole life, and I'll look back, and even in like second grade, I'd be like, I love my friend, blank. And if we weren't both girls, I bet we would fall in love. (laughs) Uh, Like, you know, it's from a super young age or like, you know, I think that she likes me, but uh, I'm worried she thinks I'm lesbian and just always like bringing it up randomly mm -hmm. with specific people. And yeah, just never actually accepting that that could be a part of who I am. But there wasn't actually any overlap between occupying religious spaces and being queer or being out as queer that wasn't really on purpose, but I wonder if I was like subconsciously protecting myself from being a disappointment to people or being told like you're going to hell or, you know, you suck in whatever way. (laughs) But yeah, I, I guess right now I call myself bi or, or pan and it's been really cool occupying queer spaces and honestly finding some of the connection and community that I missed from church. I don't know. Have you, have you heard of this new book? It's called Heretic by Gina Kadlec.
1: The name rings a I'm not familiar. Though. It's
3: it really recently came out, but it's this memoir where she was like a super duper Christian, like very involved in the church, got married, realized she was queer within the marriage and ends up leaving her husband and kind of grapples with some of the same subject matter I think you'd really like it it's like part you know research related part memoir yeah she said a similar thing like she found kind of a magic in queer circles that was there when she was a young Christian and I have to agree
1: yeah okay I'm gonna add that to my my list cool I would I would love to talk about last year's record on video um that album when I heard it had a lot of feelings. It, you found a way to kind of encapsulate like what nostalgia kind of sounds like <laughs> in That's an interesting cool. way. Um, yeah, it, it felt kind of dreamy and kind of wistful, but also there's like a fondness there, um, that comes across. Can you talk about what that was like writing that record and looking back?
3: I think that probably it feels that way. Cause when I was writing, it's when I was being nostalgic or like. I would have just like this recovered memory and be struck by it and basically translate the like raw energy slap to the face of memory into the song in order to cope with it. So yeah, a lot of them are really specific, like defined characters and settings from my life. Yeah. And there are a lot about like friendships that were formative or like relationships that with distance, I see them differently now, or like there's a song about VBS and there's songs about being a tiny queer person that doesn't know that. And yeah, it's been fun. I'm actually on my last tour of that record right now.
1: Got it. How does it feel?
3: It's funny to write about nostalgic things and then already feel nostalgic now for the songs. Oh my gosh. It's a weird cycle.
1: Yeah, I bet. I bet. Like when when VBS came out, people were sliding in my DMs. Like they're like, "You gotta, you gotta talk to Lucy." I'm so glad. uh, It only took me a a year.
3: Well, my dad did the same thing, and I have to say, hi, Dad. He's a big fan of this podcast, so.
1: Are you serious? He's definitely
3: going to be listening.
1: Yeah. No, no kidding. Hey, Lucy's dad. Thanks for listening. Um, Yeah, when you released the album, there is so much implicit and kind of blatant like religious language and it talks about your experience that is oddly, it's like both very specific to you, but it also feels accessible and kind of universal in a way. And I think that kind of speaks to, you know, your skill as a writer. What was the response like from other bad apples, other church kids? What (laughs) did you get bunch of stuff like that?
3: I mean, there is a huge overlap in the Venn diagram of bad apples and Queers at my show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before VBS, will be like, "Anyone go to Vacation Bible School?" And like, half the crowd will raise their hands. Sometimes I'm like, "Yep, see you." (laughs) Yeah, I was really pleased that people could relate to that because it felt too specific for anybody to really relate to. But turns out a lot of people have had the same experiences. Yeah, I mean that's that's the ideal to be able to like speak to something in a way that would make other people feel like seen or understood nothing better than that.
1: I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, Janice Legata, and she was saying like, she feels like we were all kind of brought up at like in like the same machine. Like there was just this sort of like evangelical formula and like the recipe was just tried and true, you know, stamp them out. You know, you go to summer camps and then you go to BBS and you go to youth group, and all that stuff. And it can feel Like this loss of identity because you're like, I was just like every other freaking kid in the 90s and 2000s. Mm -hmm. But I guess on this side of it, there is something kind of nice being like, oh, hey, there's a bunch of other people who got pushed through the same shit that I did.
3: Imagine going through that alone. I would be so lost without being able to relate to people now and say, like, was that weird? Yeah, that was weird.
1: (laughs) And I think there is something in the language that almost makes you want, almost makes you think you are alone. Because it's all about mm-hmm. like your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And like, if, if you're going around praying, you're like, I have an unspoken prayer request, because I, I don't want anyone to know what I'm, what's going on in my head or whatever. Did you ever have unspoken prayer requests? Oh, yeah. Unspoken. Okay, good.
3: <laughs> did you have it? If there was like a prayer request circle, did the, you and the people around you try to guess The intensity of the request. And you're like, well, mine's kind of little, so I'll go first. But then someone's like, I got a big one. And they'd wait till the end and try to kind of like unspokenly ante up (laughs) as it went on.
1: That that's amazing. (laughs) And I'm sure I did. I'm sure it's like, oh, mine's like mine just for a quiz. Like it's fine. Let me just knock this out real quick. Yeah. And you're like, dude, I'm going through like some shit right now.
3: Yeah. And then like the 20th person in is like talking about some life or death situation.
1: Yeah. And you're like, oof. Yeah. Because I mean, you you wouldn't want to go after that.
3: No, the the life or death situation has got to be before the quiz.
1: (laughs) It's got to be before the quiz. Yeah, totally. Did you ever kind of like develop any Christianese? Is there any that you remember? Things like, I don't know, I would just like to echo that prayer or did you have any Christianese that maybe you remember?
3: oh yeah absolutely um actually i still live with a friend of mine who we went to church together and we will sometimes remember and like say it to each other and like freak each other out but um i can't remember anything right now let me think (laughs) real quick like uh this isn't christianese but playing soft guitar under whatever you're saying (laughs) like to under emotionally underscore whatever you're saying. Like that to me, sometimes people will do it at concerts. Like I go to lots of shows obviously and people who are not Christian will do that. I'm like, you don't know that you're a worship leader right now.
1: (laughs) Like that's what you're doing. Yeah. That's the, that is definitely like the sound of worship leading. My, My favorite thing is like, uh, if there, if there was like a really big, like rock and roll part of the worship set, and then you have to find some way to transition into like the soft, sad part of the worship service and so it's like guys we've had some fun here and then it's like a really slow playing like that's really good that's really good did you ever do any worship leading like did you ever you know have any musical chops within the church framework
3: i never led and i don't know that much about literal music like chords and technique and stuff but i would sing. oh me
1: neither hey Um,
3: yeah (laughs) you don't really know that much turns out um (laughs) but i would sing and there were a couple songs that were like my token songs, like um, nice. "How He Loves." I saw you did an episode with John Mark McMillan, um, yeah. Who I drove hours to see. Like multiple really, times. are you
1: are you team Sloppy Wet or were you team Unforeseen?
3: Uh, I was both, I guess. Wait, is that okay?
1: Okay. Well, there there was people who were like, you can't sing Sloppy Wet Kiss because like that is. There are people who, like, changed the lyrics of Sloppy Wet Kiss because saying Sloppy White Kiss was, like, a little bit too risque.
3: <laughs> I think that it was, like, it's so funny. That's such a specific thing to bring up. I, I definitely. I'm,
1: so, I'm sorry if that's, like, too. No, too I,
3: it's just, like, I can't believe this is the subject matter of this. Po- I do a lot of interviews where they're, like, what's it like to play guitar? And then <laughs> they're, like,
1: are you team Sloppy like, wet? Are you team
3: sloppy um, I definitely said Sloppy wet um yeah you gotta say basically like whatever the printout would be you know they had like the printed paper i would just
1: so you were like i i follow the the prompt
3: yeah whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. And me. Cool. that one and then what's the one that's like <laughs> to sing it will make me feel so weird but i'm gonna do it they're like spirit lead me the, the yeah world, it's yeah the it's right a classic da, 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 oceans da. wait what is it
1: it's called oceans. oceans
3: sorry i was singing over your answer yeah oceans <laughs> those were the two that i really remember like i'd get up on stage and it was known that something was about to happen and i'd feel like wow i'm really about to channel god for these people
1: <laughs> yeah 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 what's interesting is like that song is that's that song still like is played every sunday at probably a lot of churches mm-hmm. and so I, for me like i these conversations that I have with different folks, what they say when I kind of like try and dig down into their specific evangelical experience, kind of like dates them where they sit in like the timeline. But this is telling me that it's relatively fresh, all of this for you, perhaps.
3: Yeah, I, I haven't like gone to church as a Christian for eight years, I think. Got it but that's not that long compared to an entire lifetime beforehand.
1: It's not. Yeah, yeah, it's really not. That's like programmed for sure. I would love to talk about your creative process and what creativity looks like for you and how, where that comes from and what like both at like a high level and maybe like some practical ways that you try and make your art happen.
3: Well, my first hot take is that you have a creative practice, like you're born into being capable of that. And it before you know it, like other people are shaping it as flippantly as a parent being like, hey, quiet down. You might have like become a singer. And then like one moment you're like, oh, actually, that's bad. And you learn your way out of it. Mm. Or like you're drawing something on paper and then it goes on the table and you get in trouble. And then you learn like, I shouldn't do that. Um, And like parents don't realize they need to parse through that the paper's good and the table's not. So basically, like, it's a matter of luck. I think if you maintain a creative practice, it's cool when people encourage you. And I definitely was encouraged when I was younger. I was probably kind of an annoying kid because I was like always singing, but also my mom was always singing. And like, she taught me to harmonize at a young age so that we wouldn't be like singing the same melody.
1: Were your parents church people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much. Born, born and raised into it or were they like,
3: um, yeah, both of them were, um, my dad grew up in Mississippi at like a Baptist church and my mom grew up in Illinois at, I don't know, maybe a Methodist church. Okay. And she ended up going to, um, what's that mega church in Illinois? She went to Wheaton first of all. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. And then,
3: uh, started going to, okay. Don't remember it.
1: Mega church in Illinois. Got it. So were y'all like, um, like reformed kind of Calvinist Calvinistic. Was that like the theology?
3: I think that like, no one said like we're Calvinist, but that was definitely like that. All that mentality got into at what I was taught and I found out the got word it. later, but you're asking about my creative process. <laughs> I know.
1: I'm so sorry. No, I'm so poor. sorry. I'm I, I started way <laughs>
3: back. I could have just been like, I go on walks and I write. <laughs> That's like the shortest version of the answer that I could say is like,
1: Oh, for real. You go on walks. Yeah.
3: Night? I'll, I can write other ways, but the most surefire way to write for me is to like go on a walk alone and like sing out loud to myself and write like lyrics and melody at the same time and kind of let the melody reinforce whatever the words are Mm. and then figure out chords later. And I'll just kind of like sing, sing stuff over and over as an editing process. If I'm lucky, I'll get a whole song that way. And like a song could take like 15 minutes. Other stuff, I've had like verses done for many years that I hope one day will get other verses and (laughs) choruses. So I've been writing in shorter segments recently and writing shorter songs. I don't know how I feel about that because I really like long songs because you can kind of like sit in them Mm. in a cool way. But short songs are cool, too, because you get right to the and It's like a short story. Like you just the world is a little bit capped. And more to the point.
1: Yeah, I love that. How has your process evolved since your first record to the most recent one?
3: Definitely a mental shift. Like when I wrote my first record, I didn't write thinking anyone would hear any of it. I was not like trying to do music starting out, but I had like this nine to five at a photo lab. And like throughout the day, I would get an idea and write it on a little notepad. And then I'd come home and I'd write the song that I'd been working on and there were some days I'd like come home and write a song every day or like every other day and that was really fun it's just like what I did to unwind and then once people started listening I was like oh I gotta say stuff that like matters (laughs) or like (laughs) I gotta really be careful how I represent myself and also these are recordings like they're gonna outlive me I want to make stuff that I could maybe stand behind forever so yeah just like more pressure but also like. That wasn't bad. It was just like a new way to think about it.
1: When you talk about like st- being able to stand by it in like longevity, is it like topically, like thematically, or do you mean like musically go like, oh, like, this is going to be good?
3: Oh, I mean, thematically, who knows what's going to be good musically. <laughs>
1: well, sure, <laughs> and, sure. Like
3: there's lots of good, like all genres have kind of like cool and weird aspects to them. And like I try not to stay within any particular genre anyways, mostly because I don't want to build a fan base that will expect one thing of me because I'll feel really boxed in. So I try to kind of keep the like palette of sounds I'm allowed to use like pretty wide. Yeah. Um, so I stay interested too.
1: I will say, like, I think in this most recent record, I think part of the feeling that I was, when I was listening through it, one of the reasons why it felt like a a very wide experience of nostalgia because that's such a like a junk drawer of a of a phrase but like for me it felt wistful when you're listening to like bbs or and then it feels like i don't know like kind of like fun and like kind of like boppy like with like brando like th- they're just different and i think i'm really glad that you're able to kind of move so fluidly throughout different genres because i think you're able to tell a lot of different stories in a lot of different ways I really appreciate that.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's fun to do. I think I like telling stories better than I like playing music. So that's the part that really captivates
1: me anyways. Yeah. In your creativity, did your faith have any role in what you felt you were allowed to write and say and do?
3: Yeah, I think that I realized more and more how capped I was. I think I thought I was being my full self while I was in church. Because I thought, like, the a fully realized version of a person was somebody who was completely committed to the will of God, which I felt like I was. But, like, I basically spent so many years, like, not knowing what I wanted. If I had known, I wouldn't have respected it. So I didn't do any of the work to know it. So even now, like, I, I have friends that are writers that'll be like, hmm, another song about someone else. Interesting. (laughs) Like a lot of those songs are about other people, and I feel like you get an impression of who I am based off of what I think of other people. But like it is really hard for me to write about just me and like how I feel and what I want without doing so through the framework of somebody else's perception of me or relationship to me.
1: Is there anything in that that you and obviously, right, like we are a we're a crockpot, right? There's a million different things that lead to who we are and and the way we kind of interact with the world and other people. But do you find any correlation between kind of the, the languages, you know, like the stories you were handed and the script you were handed within church that maybe you think could inform that? You mean inform my lack of knowing myself? <laughs> I don't want to say it like that, but because yeah, that, okay, that's so. how I feel too about myself.
3: Well. I mean, I, one of my favorite verses, I think it's like Proverbs 3.16, that's like, trust in the Lord, your God and lead not on your own understanding, fully rely on him and he'll make your path straight. It's something like that. Yeah. I don't know if you know no, this
1: it. I was, I was saying it with you in my head as you were saying it, so it's
3: pretty <laughs> familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't remember that much scripture, but that one I used to like doodle as if wow. it was the lyrics of like an all time low song. <laughs> yeah, I had like a tote bag where I just wrote that over and over. It was like a mantra that really. Centered me. It just centered me away from the center mm, <laughs> of yeah. who I am. Yeah. And it, it, actually, I saw it on like a greeting card recently and felt completely overwhelmed.
2: Really? And had
3: that realization of like, oh, this I thought was good. And actually it was a complete disservice to me.
1: I mean, if you, if you look at hearing some of the stories you were saying about kind of like those purity culture conversations where you were told like impure thoughts and, you know, like, you know, lust and all this stuff. I mean, there are so many different ways that they kind of the hatred of self, like you're the problem, like you're, the, you know, like you're the thing yeah. that, you know, we got to get rid of, kind of get out of the way the whole, like, he must, what was it? He must. Uh, I must decrease, so he must increase, and you know, there's just yep. I think there's a lot of that that feeling of like the smaller I get, the bigger God gets, and like the problem with that is that when if if that's how you live for so long, <laughs> when that's gone, you're like, well, what what what's left over? Yeah, where who am I? <laughs> who, who am I? When who is am this? I? If
3: this was a husk for God and God's gone, it's just a husk. And just what a husk. In there?
1: Oh my God. But what is there? <laughs> oh man, Lucy. Now I. I feel like a husk right
3: now. Oh. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. But I think that really resonates with so many people who, because I think for a lot of folks, church wasn't like, you weren't like a kid who was into soccer, you know, like church wasn't <laughs> like a, like, like a, a sport or something for a lot of us. Like church was your entire identity through and through start to finish, right? Four times a week yeah. or whatever. Um, oh Yeah. So it, it, I get it. I, I'm sure a lot of people resonate with that feeling of like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, there's an identity here.
3: Yeah. Even like in art making, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try to get into a creative field in order to make things that will bring people closer to God. You know, like things that even still affect, I'm mm-hmm. like, the path that I was on, the purpose was always pointed towards God, even if I'm still on those paths for completely different reasons. I yeah. started on them because of God,
1: you know? That totally tracks, yeah, that, that totally tracks. I, I um, would love to take a little bit of time while we're talking about creativity and making music. Can we talk about the new EP that dropped this?
0: Can we oh, talk yeah. about that process?
1: It sounds really good. Your, Thank your, you. Your take on those songs, I'm like, this is a song from the, these are like 70s jams, but it just feels so good. Can you talk about that process and what went into that?
3: Yeah, so Carol King is a legend. I've always loved her, and I grew up listening to her. I only realized recently, like, we got asked to cover a couple of songs for, like, a reissue of a live concert of hers, those two songs. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to just, like, go revisit all of her music. It was, like, realizing how, how much she's influenced me, and it's cool to have been influenced at such a young age that I've lost track of that influence. And then to like basically connect the dots and be like, oh, yeah, this is something that was a lesson when I didn't even realize it was a lesson. And I also really love covering songs because the framework's already there and you get to learn how people made sounds. Like if you want to really copy it, that's a learning process. Or if you want to deviate, that's a learning process. Like what are the parts of the song that are so essential that like we need to keep it? And whenever I cover other songs, I learn things that I inevitably use in my next records. It's just like a low stakes way to experiment. And also, like, I think other people's songs are really great. I like playing them live. Like, I don't have to write it to enjoy, you know, participating in it. And I, I've i said this a couple of times, like, I like songs that get covered a lot because... It feels like they have a history beyond their writer, kind of Mm. like hymns, honestly. Mm. Like, they just get elevated to this place of, doesn't matter who wrote it, they were tapped into something universal and everybody can relate. And the more times it's repeated, the more it, like, solidifies it as, like, part of the DNA of all music.
1: Yeah. That's lovely, this idea that, like, there's something intrinsic that it doesn't even matter how many different ways it's interpreted. Like there's like some, so there's some like goodness, you know, at its, at its core. That's really cool. What um, in this record? I mean, you said that there are things that when you cover songs, it maybe inspires you that you carry into your next record. Is there anything here that you can like give us a little taste? You're like, this is pretty freaking cool. I might keep that in the holster.
3: I really liked in our our version of Home Again, like she has it on piano, but we put it on guitars and there's like this instrumental in the middle that we combined like the guitars and a couple of like toys. There's kind of like a ratcheting sound and maybe we did like a little synth in there, too. Like it just felt really playful and like just use some instruments that I wouldn't have thought would have fit, but they did. I don't know, and it's it's too late. There's like that guitar line that's very melodic and simple that makes it feel classic. And I'm writing a lot of songs that make me think my next record, I want it to feel classic. Like songs that have already existed for a long time. So just taking notes from what attributes make those songs feel classic to me.
1: That's really rad. You heard it here, to hear, folks, listen for toys. If you're listening to this (laughs) show, we are prophesying there will be toys in the next (laughs) album. Uh, Lucy, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to ask you this, like on this side of your faith change, what have you found or what do you do or what do you experience or what do you participate in that maybe brings the same comfort or scratches the same itch that perhaps, you know, your faith used to old for you when you were younger
3: shows honestly are very church-like just being in a room full of people that showed up on purpose under a shared interest wanting to feel joy or wanting to feel something for personal reasons but in a group setting people who are like willing to be expressive yeah and just really just look in the same direction and have the same experience that is really powerful. I've been reading tarot. It doesn't. It's it's in many ways not similar, but you know, you just learn what all the cards mean, and then everything else you bring to them is you kind of like learning what you think and wish. And there's a little bit of there's an aspect of prayer in that, you know. Like, really? Yeah, I, I think that I I used to pray. I'd begin praying by being thankful, and by the end of that. I maybe went in wanting to be like asking for something and then I would realize I don't really need to ask. So I think that happens in tarot sometimes where it can highlight like here are the things in your life that are stable or deserve your attention or like stop being blind to the realities of your life. And then also, if there's still things that you want, it can kind of like show you ways to see those things coalescing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are both good. <laughs> good
1: Those are friends. both good. I don't know anything about tarot, but I always find it so fascinating. Was it difficult for you to, I guess, is it, I don't know, do you learn it? I don't know. Does someone teach it to you? Do you? I mean, it
3: was funny. I, it was years after stopping going to church
1: when my friend brought a
3: deck over and I had the gut reaction of like, oh, that's scary. <laughs> that's bad. But then they were like, it's really just paper and images and It's like 72 cards. And if you, you know, pick them and then look up what they mean, you can start to memorize what they mean. You don't even have to memorize it. Yeah. It's just like a, it's a cool way to talk to, it's like free therapy. It's Mm. a cool way to talk to yourself. And it's made me get closer to people in my life reading for them. I've noticed people are way more willing to go deep with like an external catalyst that's like unbiased. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. I feel like I need to. Kind of pursue that further, because that really interests me a lot. I want to thank you for, for this, Lacey. This has been a real pleasure. Um, it's been an honor. Congrats on the tour. How much more of the tour do you have left? You're in Vancouver, you said? For like two weeks, I think. Got it. Got it. And then what's next?
3: Um, I get to go home. <laughs> home for the holidays. <laughs> I've only been home, on average, like five days out of every month of this year, so... I'm really wanting that that time. But yeah, thank you for having me. This has been such a fun conversation. A lot of things that I haven't thought about in a really long time. <laughs> but are nevertheless <laughs> such a big part of who I am.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for this. Thanks for everything. I appreciate yeah. it so much. Likewise. <sighs> it was good. Told you it was good. One of my Favorite things when you talk, when I talk to people is hearing. I guess certainly it's, it's good to like unpack certain stories that we talked about, <laughs> like BBS yes, and purity culture and all like the bullshit that Lucy experienced and so many others, you know, like us have experienced. But what was cool was to also like look at it and go, okay, how has my upbringing and like my faith tradition and my religion, how has that become like? just the backdrop upon which I now interact with the world. You know, it's like not the main character per se and as much as it's the backdrop and, and I'm still kind of the main character. And now Lucy talking about how now she goes and creates things and tells stories. And that that is so interesting to me. And I think this is another example, very similar to the John episode. It's very interesting for me to like hear now, like how do we take these stories and take the the scripts that we were handed growing up right and like what are the ways in which that has informed our work now you know whether it's creativity or not whatever it is that we're doing now how has that informed it and and for better or worse right Lucy even mentioned like even now like the idea of writing songs that are about her that she is the central character of still feels it isn't easy for her to get there I had a conversation with someone at my <laughs> corporate uh, event, my white elephant, and he was saying, I have not been a Pentecostal Christian, Pentecostal uh, for for years. I have not gone to church in years, and I still can't say the word goddamn. I just can't do it. And that's what I find super interesting. Not like I don't find it like, oh wow, that's cool. Let's tell me all the the ways the, the evangelical clause are you cannot pick those thorns out of your skin. I'm in more of like, isn't it interesting all the ways in which our upbringing still continues to inform what we do now for better or worse. Because I feel like it just gives us something to ponder. There's kind of like always something to keep reckoning with and keep working towards. So Lucy, thank you for this. This is if you're listening, this is a great conversation. I so appreciate you. If you ever come down to South Florida, and I still happen to be here. Mm-hmm, uh, I would love to you know, hopefully, catch your show. I we got, I got off the episode, and she's like, "Where are you located again?" And I'm like, "I'm in South Florida." She's like, "Well, I was, I was just there." <laughs> I'm like, "Damn it! I, I wish, I wish I had known." Um, so, thank you, Lucy. Uh, also, uh, shout out to having a whole conversation about worship music. And and speaking of kind of the post evangelical clause that you still notice, I um, I'm not sure how it happened, but I was on TikTok, and some, I think the algorithm was trying to fuck with me. I don't know what I did. I must have at some point, maybe they heard my worship dice segment. My phone just heard my worship dice segment or something. And as I'm scrolling through my For You page, there was like a, a minute long worship service clip. I don't know what this church was. It was like some sort of revival service or worship event. It was like some epic thing. It had like this huge choir, this huge band, um, like a bunch of people singing. And I'd never heard the song before, and they were singing it, and I, I saw it, and I almost was like, let me immediately swipe past it, but I, I guess I didn't for whatever reason, and I let it play for a little bit. And I let it play, and then I just kept on letting it play, and it played and played, and then it repeated, and it repeated again. And when I tell you that I had kind of like a Pavlovian response, I became overcome. I I, like, there was something about the music and the musicality and the conviction in which they were singing this stuff. I started crying. (laughs) I was like sobbing in my bed with like my phone (laughs) in my face. I just, and I couldn't tell you what that was. I, I, you know, I could tell you what my, what my dad would tell me it was. If I told him this, if we were speaking, he'd go, that's the Holy spirit son. See the hounds of heaven, the Holy spirit is trying to and like, no, I, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. I don't know if it was grief, religious trauma. Maybe it was the Holy Ghost. Maybe it was just a classical conditioning. I, I don't know. But it's almost like your body is so kind of wired to step right back into a response by certain stimulus. It made me think of that when you were talking about kind of Lucy's experience <laughs> singing worship songs uh, in church all the way up until honestly, not that long ago. So yeah, so I I think for whatever it's worth for whoever is listening to this, you're not off base, there is enough room for you to process what you're processing, there's enough room for you to like, reject it outright. Like I hate this. This is bullshit. I will never ever get anywhere close to this. It's okay for you to retain some of the things that you want to retain if you feel like it's helpful to you. And it's not harmful to other people. People are going to disagree about what constitutes being harmful to others. Obviously, There's a harmful practice, and there's like harmful dogma, and there's harmful language, and there's harmful implications of theology. There's all of these things, but I guess I just want to kind of convey that there is absolutely room for you to make it your own and process it at your own pace in your own way. And if you, as I've said before, like if you take all the furniture out of the room and decide you want to keep the Jesus couch, sure, keep the Jesus couch. Or if you're like, I don't care about any of this, but I do love the, you know, the kind of the golden rules, the values that can be found, the celebration of humanity and mortality that can be found within some of this language. Great. Or if you don't want to have anything to do with any, of it, or if you want to bring all of it back in, and you go, you know what? Hey, I'm a, I'm a Methodist now. Whatever you want to do, there's room for that, and I think there has to be room for that. And if you want to, kind of chew on your own past upbringing and your religious experience which is kind of the DRCK thing right it's like trying to unpack all of the things you can do that and if you go you know it really helped me a lot in 2022 and i think in 2023 i just don't think i need to chew on it as much and guess what that's entirely valid as well so i don't know i i just kind of wanted to to say that as this is going to be the last episode of this year I'm going to take some time and then come back in 2023 and keep on making the show. But I guess like I, I just as, I'm, as I think about what I would like to like send off folks with, that is really important for me to convey is that there is absolutely room for you wherever you decide to land or not. land. yeah, but before I finish the episode, obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't land on the last segment of the night and the last segment of the year. You know what it is. It's called Sip smoke read Zip,
2: smoke sip smoke read hey. so you know we read that shit hey, shit only sip the
1: finest party lit. on my
2: couch and I feel so you're thinking you listen to these idiots but here you keep on listening and here you also so listen major pain corner to the latest book right last browser
1: Right, so sip, smoke read is a segment where i talk about what am i sipping smoking reading enjoying listening to partaking in to get through these trying trying times as 2022 slowly winds down first of all i had the privilege of guesting on a couple different podcasts one was called speaking in church with josie jimenez who is also a member of the irreverent Media group shout out to josie that was a fun conversation we talked about being brown folks and white pentecostalism and being brown folks and brown pentecostalism i grew up in a pentecostal church in oklahoma with my stepdad's family so they were it was a very white pentecostal expression and then i moved to the philippines which was very much a a brown brown pentecostal expression it's very very different so we talked about that that was a good combo and then i had a conversation on a podcast called deconstruction zone with emily zell another bad apple and we talked about leaving reformed spaces and how reform theology for a lot of folks was one deconstruction within a larger deconstruction, or it was the first reformation before you continued to reform. Uh, and so we unpacked that. That was a lot of fun. I'm not sure when that episode exactly will drop, but give both of those shows a follow if any of that sounds interesting to you and check it out. I found a TikTok that uh, I also want to share. This is a TikTok that I'm literally, I'm like, I'm so bad. Finding these TikTok handles and giving credit to the to the actual content creators. So I'm really sorry. If I find it, I'll drop it in the show notes. All it was was a man sitting there staring at his camera, and he said, I just want you to know that you are not in trouble. You might feel like you're in trouble. Your body might be telling you that you're in trouble. And that was probably a mechanism that you have developed to protect yourself and keep yourself safe. Maybe you get anxious or you panic. Or at this first sign of conflict, you kind of cower or you get nervous easily. or You have a desire to people, please. And often that could, that could stem from you thinking you're in trouble. And he just said, you're not in trouble. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, I'm not in trouble. Uh, so I just wanted to let you all know, you're not in trouble either. And you're doing great. You're doing absolutely fine. The other things within Sismoke Reed, we watched a movie. We watched a holiday movie. We have been taking turns. Listen, I take turns of who gets to pick which movie, and then the other partner cannot complain <laughs> about whether or not they like that movie. Alyssa has a very specific taste in holiday movies. She does not love a everything-goes-wrong-for-the-main-character holiday movie, so she doesn't love Jingle All the Way. She doesn't love National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. She doesn't love those kinds of movies, which I personally, I think that's like the defining characteristic of Christmas movies, If I, w- I would contend. But for whatever reason, she decided to bend her rule because we discovered on Disney Plus, they have the 90s classic, I'll be home for Christmas, starring the one and only 90s heartthrob, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. The original Short King, five foot eight. No, five foot five. Yeah, I'm five foot eight. So I felt like, I'm like, man, I'm frigging, I'm a giant compared to JTT. I I would contend that JTT walked so that Tom Holland could run. Okay, the Short King phenomenon, it was it was thanks to JTT. So if you're listening to this, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, as I'm sure you are, thank you for your service. Much appreciate it. Uh, the movie was actually pretty good too. <laughs> it was it was a kind of it was kind of whack at points. I was like, okay, like this is ridiculous. But for what it is, which is a fun romp at Christmas time, it's great. I had never seen it before, so I had zero. I had zero nostalgic points. I had no need to give it any more credence than I did. It didn't have to be good. It didn't have to, you know. And yet I I liked it. So check it out. You might dig it too. A couple cocktails here. One, uh, there's a cocktail. It is a. It was like a like a, like a lychee martini, uh, which it was. It was great. I had it at this work function. It was Grey Goose vodka. There was a like uh, with sake, lychee, lemon, and meringue, and and then it had like some cranberries uh, as a garnish, and it was very sweet, but really really good. There was like kind of like a tartness with it that came from the lemon super, super good. And then I also had a tequila cocktail. Normally, I don't mix my liquors. Normally, I I pick it and I stick it that I just like decide at the top of the night, like it's a tequila night, and I'm just going to stick to it. But I decided to go rogue. And this one was a tequila, like a pomegranate cocktail. So it was tequila, pomegranate juice, lime juice, black lava salt, I didn't even know. That's a thing, black lava salt, and like a smoked, there's some sort of like aromatics from like smoked rosemary and it was real good. So I'm going to have to figure out how to actually make that. I don't have the, I literally just took a picture of the menu at just to get like the general idea, but I'm going to actually have to figure out how to make that at home. Uh, that's pretty much it for me, folks. I'm going to, you know, take the rest of the year to rest. I'm going to give my producer Del Breezy a breather, a uh, special shout out by the way, to uh, Virginia Spots from the Sheridan Tapes, uh, which is uh, an outstanding show, as well as producer Dobrizi for lending their talent and writing for The Christmas Carpenter. Shout out to my friend Amma for coming up with that random title and an Instagram DM and just gave it just planted the seed that I had to run with. So all that to say, this has been a fun episode. This has been a pretty good year. It's been a hard year. In a lot of ways, it was a shit year. Um, but if I'm looking at it at a, at a, a grand view, it was okay. I was thinking about this and I had this conversation on the Patreon episode for December. I would always ask, you know, on the show, as many of you know, at the end of the year, we would always ask, was this year fun? And is next year gonna be fun? And if the answer for either one of those is yes, then you can keep going. But if the answer is no, it wasn't fun and it won't be fun next year, then you gotta stop. And I would, as I'm thinking through it, I think this year, I don't know if this year was fun. (laughs) This year was hard, if I'm being honest. This year was really hard. But I do feel like next year is going to be fun. If you're listening to this, thank you all for kind of letting me build the plane in the air as the show kind of evolves and grows forward. In a way, I I was thinking about this, and I told this to Emily Zell on on her show. It actually wasn't on the show. It was literally as you're wrapping up. I feel like in some way, the Dirty Rotten Church Kids recipe had to kind of get deconstructed itself. And I really had to sit down and pull the thing apart and look at all and really turn the gem and look at all the corners and go, OK, what do I still love about the show? And what would I love to see and how would I love to see it evolve and how would I where's the room for it to to grow and expand and what would make me the most joy? You know, like what gives me the most happiness to do? And so, like, I, I've always kind of felt like DRCK has kind of been just this. For, for many folks is they've told me it's been kind of like a like a gateway drug it's just like a blunt instrument to just get people into a conversation to normalize having certain conversations and then from there you know if you decide you want to really dig into decolonization then there's podcasts for that or if you want to really talk about like theological discrepancies coming out of evangelicals and there's room for that or if you want to get highly into academics or politics like there's room for that and You know queer theology you know black liberation theology there's so many places outside of kind of the typical evangelical bubble that we came from and then a lot of folks have expressed to me like you know drck felt like kind of just the first point of reference and then from that it became kind of a jumping off point to so many other like deep conversations and really helpful things and i'm like really happy to hear that and i'm really happy to occupy that space and so if you're listening to this if you've been listening for all these years and you're continuing to listen and, and you would like to continue to listen into 2023, um, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I said a big thank you guys last last episode, but I'm going to say a big thank you again. Um, I, I really wouldn't be able to do this without the support of, of you bad apples. Josie said on her show, she's like, man, the bad apples roll really fucking deep. I'm like, yeah, they do. <laughs> bad apples roll really deep and I am privileged and honored to be a bad apple with you. I look forward to what the next year holds. I I do think it's gonna continue to grow and change because I think I'm growing and changing and 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 I'm realizing that even down to like how I talk on these episodes. I'm just like, you know, let me just try and be as much of my authentic self as possible and not force anything. I think that's what I've learned this year is like, just don't force anything. And you know, don't try and force open any opportunity or don't try and force yourself into being some sort of thing or a caricature of yourself or don't be anything less than who you are and as i've been figuring that out i would like to just let you all know that you have permission to do the same yeah so if you want to keep having the deconstruction conversations do it if you want to move past it do it if you want to circle back around come back later all of those things there's room for and then i think that there being room for all of it i would be thrilled if that is kind of the main point of drck in 2023 so With that said, visit DirtyRottenChurchKids.com for all the links to all the social medias. If you'd like to pick up merch, it would be appreciated to support the show. If you'd like to join the Patreon, we have bonus content as well as a Bad Apple only Discord server. Uh, You also get, uh, did I say you get bonus content there too? You also get bonus content there too. There's a TikTok, there's an Instagram, there's a Twitter. You can send me an email, DirtyRottenCK at gmail.com. a rubber media group, all the good folks over there. I think that's it. I appreciate you all deeply. You may never know just how much I appreciate you. Uh, So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for listening to the last episode of 2022. You're loved, keep up the dirty work, and remember, it's all gonna be okay.
2: I can't express how grateful I am for all the support this year. We have all been through a lot, but I truly believe it's all gonna be okay because we are going to make it that way. And I mean that as a threat, take care of yourselves. Practice gratitude, and drink lots of water. I will catch you in the new year. Guess who I am sitting here dressed as? I will give you a hint. His last name is Christ. He has the power of flight, and can heal leopards.
0: First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that here at the speaking in church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church it's a podcast about change it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side you can listen wherever you get your podcast and if you want to be a guest yes you regular person you can be a guest on the speaking in church podcast if you want to come on just let us know